And welcome to Wise Guys, These Guys Know Sports on this Wednesday, July the 7th, another day with the Wise Guys crew. I'm Trey Larkins, sitting alongside my co-host, Mr. Clarence. What's up, Clarence? Happy Wednesday. Happy Wednesday to you as well. Everybody, remember going for the Wise Guys on Twitter at WiseGuys underscore. It's also on Facebook, Wise Guys. Be sure to follow Wise Guys on Instagram with These Guys Know Sports. So, Clarence, how was your holiday weekend, brother? The holiday weekend was cool. You know, I enjoyed it. Watched the firecrackers with the lady, chased the daughter around the park, ate good, and, you know, just had a blast night. You know, it was a fun. What about you? I had a blast, man. Me and my family went out to the park. You know, it was, it had some, ate some great food out there. Yeah. It was hot. You know, it was real hot on the fourth this year. Yeah, it, 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 was, it was super hot. But uh, ate some great food, spent some time with family, and then once it got dark, you know, it was a, it was a fireworks show. On our street, you know, they block everything off, and the fireworks just let them all off. It was crazy, man. Man, that, that sounds like a great, a great Fourth of July, for sure. So we got an action jam-packed show ahead. We're gonna talk about who would you take, Justin Herbert or Joe Burrow? Mike Tannenbaum on ESPN. He says Justin Herbert is a tick below Patrick Mahomes. So me and Clarence gonna talk about that. Also, we're gonna give y'all our expectations for the Denver Broncos this season. But we begin in the NBA with the NBA Finals as the Phoenix Suns beat the Milwaukee Bucks 118 to 105. Suns lead the series 1 to 0. And just for everybody out there, teams that win game one of the NBA Finals, they win 72% of the NBA Finals, including six of the last seven NBA Finals. Chris Paul, he had a great game. He had 32 points, shot 12 of my team from the floor, nine assists. Chris Paul became the first player since Michael Jordan to have 30 points and eight assists in the NBA Finals debut. And David Booker, again, he had 27 points. DeAndre Aiden, he had 22 points, 19 rebounds, clearance. This was his fourth game this postseason with 20 points on 80% shooting from the floor. Four-year Bucks, Chris Middleton had 29 points, shot 12 of 26 from the floor. My birthday, uh, Giannis had 20 points. So, Mr. Nixon, should the Bucks, you know, is it time for the Bucks to panic or be patient? That's the question. I think I think you should be. I think the Milwaukee Bucks should be patient, all uh, because it's Game One, it's NBA Finals, their first time in, into a final. They need to relax, make some quick adjustments, get settled, get ready for Thursday. Not panic. Do not panic. When things fall apart, it's hard to get back on top. But I think what went wrong for this Milwaukee Bucks team is Mike Bullholzer. He ran a 12-man rotation on yes last night. And Trey, this is the NBA Finals. You play your best 10-man play, the best 10-man rotation, not no 12-man. Sometimes you can run an eight or nine rotation. Like you have yeah. to play your best players that you feel like that's gonna make an impact into the game. And with Mike Bullholzer, the adjustments he was making, he believed, he was running trying to get everybody that was on the bench some more playtime so they can have fresh legs going in and out. But this is the finals. Whether you got fresh legs, medium legs, man, no legs, like you have to show. This is the biggest stage of them all. You have to show up and you have to play good. And another thing, too, like they just couldn't keep up with this Phoenix Suns uh, small ball, man. I think Milwaukee, they, they have the perfect size to stop any big bigs and stuff. But when they run big, they Mike Budenholzer got to make some adjustments, especially when you're playing, playing against a small ball. But I think they're should. I think they fine. Everybody actually expecting them to lose game one. And they 
they they gonna be all right. They gonna be all right, Trey. You know, I'm looking forward for game two tomorrow against Thursday. So we gonna see what's in store. We gonna see what's in store. Oh, we gonna man. see. It's funny, everybody. Just so you know, I've been telling Clarence all postseason long that I do not believe in his Milwaukee Bucks. I even told Clarence like, let's bet on this final series. You know, like, and then Giannis. You know, they announced that Giannis is gonna play in game one. So I'm blowing Clarence's phone up, ladies and gentlemen. I'm blowing his phone up. You know, and, and right before game one, I'm telling let's bet, let's bet. Like, and he did not want to bet me. And I remember, I don't know if you guys remember, back in the second round, we heading into a critical game seven winner go home matchup between the Brooklyn Nets and the Milwaukee Bucks. And everybody knows, I believe Kevin Durant's the best player on the planet. But yeah, that Clarence believes Giannis is a top five player in the NBA. So I told him, I'm like, well, I'm pretty sure you're gonna ride. With your Milwaukee Bucks in a crucial game seven. And Clarence didn't even have the guts to pick Mr. Giannis and the Milwaukee fair. Bucks to beat Kevin Durant and the Brooklyn Nets. Milwaukee ended up beating the Nets and winning the Eastern Conference Finals over the Hawks. But time and time again, Clarence has shown me that he doesn't even believe in the Milwaukee Bucks like he says he does. But when you ask the question whether or not it's time for the Milwaukee Bucks to be patient or panic, it is time for the Milwaukee Bucks to panic clearance. And, Roquel, I want you to do me a favor. Go and grab the paper towels out of the foul cabinet over there because I'm going to give Clarence some paper towels because he's going to be wiping tears away after four games. I'm going to let you know this series is four. over. This four series games. is over. Let me, explain to, let me explain to you why. Wow. Let me explain to you why. Let's start off with Chris Paul. Chris Paul, in two, in two games in the second half, he's had 52 points over the last two games in the second half. This is Game six of the Western Conference Finals against the Clippers and game one in the NBA Finals against the Bucks. Chris Paul has 52 points. That's in the second half. He has 73 points in the last two games, 32 in game six of the Western Conference Finals and 41 in game six, again, or 40, I'm sorry, 41 in the Western Conference Finals in game six and 32 in game one against the Bucks. Chris Paul is playing at an elite level and not only just Chris Paul, is Devin Booker. They ball out against the Milwaukee Bucks. They have no answer for the Suns' big three. The Suns' big three outscored the Bucks' big three in game one, 81 to 59. They outscored about 22 points. So in three games this year, the Suns statistically are dominating the Bucks. Chris Paul's averaging 27 points per game. Devin Booker's averaging 27 points per game. DeAndre Ayton is averaging 20 points per game against the Bucks. The Suns, they score at will against the Milwaukee Bucks. They have no answers for Chris Paul and Devin Booker on the pick and roll, Clarence. And that's why I believe this series is over. Let me give you some of these numbers for Chris Paul, man. Chris Paul, right now, it's only three players over the age of 36 who've had 30-point games in the NBA Finals. Only three players, 36 or older, who had 30 points, you know, in the NBA Finals. That's Kareem. We did it six times. Tim Duncan did it in 2013, and Chris Paul did it, you know, last night. So I believe when you add everything in totality, the Milwaukee Bucks are in trouble because they can't defend the Phoenix Suns. And I think when you take consideration, Mike Budenholzer isn't the type of coach that makes major adjustments. I think the Bucks are in trouble because they don't have anybody that can defend Chris Paul or Devin Booker on the pick and roll. I think I'm gonna go back to that question later, man. That's the end of our question. So we're gonna we're gonna go back to that question. But let me let's switch to the Phoenix Suns real quick. Who impressed you more than for the Suns? CP3 or DeAndre? Uh, I'm going to say 
Chris Paul, because I believe Chris Paul right now is playing at an elite level. We know Chris Paul is a bona fide point guard, you know, one of the greatest point guards in NBA history. He's a great facilitator, great floor general. You know, he is literally a second coach on the floor, you know, for your team. And I think we look at his impact on the Phoenix Suns, even though he's not a champion, the Phoenix Suns supporting cast, they treat him like he's already won a championship, Clarence. Yeah. So I believe when you look at his impact for this team, I have been very impressed because over the last, you know, two or three games, not only has he elevated his game as far as getting others involved, Chris Ball has elevated his game from a scoring perspective, True. and he is taking over the game. It was pretty much, all right, I'm getting who I want. Bobby Portis had no answers for Chris Ball. Lopez had no answers for Chris Paul. No one has answers for Chris Paul right now because what they're doing is they're doing the hot pick and roll. Chris Paul has the ability to choose what he wants to do. If you come out, come out on him at the perimeter, Chris Paul can blow right past you and get into the paint clearance and finish at the rim, throw a lob dunk, you know, you know, to DeAndre Aiden, yeah. you know, and if you sag off of him, we know he can hit the perimeter shot at a high level. So I've been very impressed with Chris Paul, you know, in the last three or four games for the Phoenix Suns. And I told you, heading into game six, a crucial game six, Chris Paul had everything to, like, play for, meaning, like, he had a lot to, to gain and also a lot to lose. And yeah. he played at a very high level in game six of the Western Conference Finals, dropping 41 points, and then he follows that up with dropping 32 points in game one of the NBA Finals. He showed all the young cats I haven't been to the NBA Finals just yet, but I'm going to get off to a nice start here in the NBA Finals to set the tone for my team. I was very impressed with Chris Paul. CP3 has been, like, phenomenal. I cannot lie. Like, trolling, I've been giving, like, the Phoenix Suns all this time. But CP3 has been on a point. He's been an efficient scorer. He's been the coach on the feet on the court. And he's been, he's been like, like available when, when he's needed for the shot. But – when you, I think DeAndre Ayton is is more is like impressive because CP3 we knew like this is well he's been in the league 15 16 years and he's finally chasing that ring that we that he needs to have but DeAndre Ayton is the one guy that just cleans up the mess that just be balling like very under under the radar under the radar like he's what he's the first player since Kareem to have. 2015 and shooting over 80% in a playoff conference and NBA Finals debut, like that is right there. That is big. And that's something that the Phoenix Suns need to keep a tab on because he's going to be a special center in this NBA future lately. Chris Paul, it was here to help elevate these young folks. And he's doing that. He's up and DeAndre Ayton is elevated to that center that he's that we want him to be. Yeah, DeAndre Ayton has been very consistent in this yeah. year playoffs. Like he's been consistent in the first round going up against Anthony Davis, you know, yeah. the top 10 player in the NBA. He held his own in that series. Then right. he certainly moved on to the second round, went up against the Joker, NBA MVP. I felt like he held his own in that series. And then you get to the Western Conference Finals, you know, he was the best big man on the floor, you know, in the yeah. kind of conference finals. You know, I love DeMarcus Cousins. I think DeMarcus Cousins, if he didn't have the injuries that he had, you know, he could have been one of the greatest big men of all time. They play, they play him too late in the series. So. Yeah, yeah. But when you talk about in the NBA Finals, you know, I believe that DeAndre Aiden, you know, he played well last night. You know, the 19 rebounds was great, Clarence. Yeah. Like, I mean, 19 rebounds, like, he is playing at a high level. And, again, 
him shooting the percentage he shot. This is fourth game in the playoffs where he's had 20 points on 80% shooting from the floor. So when he gets involved in the offense, the Phoenix Suns are virtually unstoppable. But I want to ask you a question because I think your Bucks have a problem defensively with this Phoenix Suns team. You just try to gloss over it and go on to the next question, but I think you are you got to be a little bit worried because they haven't shown an ability to stop the Phoenix Suns on the pick well, and we roll. We were going to get to that. I know. They haven't shown the ability to stop them on the pick and roll. And, like, they've lost. Now, I know you're going to tell me. Well, they've lost game ones previously in the playoffs. They lost game one against the Nets. They lost game one against the Hawks. But don't you have a cause for concern for your books? Devin Booker, he had 27 points, but he shot eight of 21 from the floor, one of eight from three-point range. That will happen again. So when you take everything in consideration, these outliers will not happen anymore in this series, I, and your Bucks still lost I, by 13, and I thought the Suns had control of the entire game. They had control of the entire game. Would you agree with that? I think, yeah, I'm going to say that right now. Uh, I, like, I think with the Milwaukee Bucks, they, they took one star away so the other star can carry the load. You know what I'm saying? Like, you know, it took Devin Booker and what? He, what yeah, he was eight for 21. Eight for 21, yeah. And he had 27 points, so he was struggling. One for eight on the three, so we, they were making four shots. But the other two stars, DeAndre Ayton and Chris Paul, they they had the green light to take over. And that's what they did. And the Bucs, they, they have to make, like, if we could get into this question, what adjustment the both of them make. I think he need to run small ball. I think the small ball for the Milwaukee Bucks is the key factor. And it's the way that Giannis is at the five, Porter's at the four. I mean, arguing people saying, like, they you shouldn't throw Giannis and Bobby Porter's in there at the same time, though. But in this series, guard play matters the most. And Drew Holiday is getting big game, barbecue chicken. Yeah. And that, no, that's what we didn't mention. Chris Middleton showed up. He played his part. But Drew Holiday was getting barbecue chicken on the defensive side and on the scoring side, like, and it was it was like a, like five possessions when Giannis didn't even get the ball because he because Holiday won his shot well his shots wasn't falling so they I think Budenholzer need to make some some adjustments that you want to keep Drew Holiday on Devin Booker because he was playing great defense on him but you have to slow down CP3 get the ball out of his hand make Jay Crowder or Michael Bridges be a playmaker because Jay Crowder struggled in game one. It was 0 for 8. Yeah. 0 for 8. Yeah. And I ain't gonna lie, I had him as the key factor, but his defensive effort was, was outstanding. But offense, he didn't show up on offense. But if you can get the ball out of Chris Paul and Devin Booker hand and make Jay Crowder be a playmaker, I think the the Bucks can really take that. This series isn't over. No, this series is over. This this series series I don't believe in the Milwaukee Bucks. And I told you before, they flamed out in the playoffs a few years ago against Kawhi Leonard and the Toronto Raptors. They flamed out last year in the bubble against Jimmy Butler in the Miami Heat, and they lucked up against the Brooklyn Nets because if Kyrie didn't turn his ankle in game four, I believe they would have lost to the Brooklyn Nets, and they end up having to go seven games and overtime with the compromise James Harden. It was Kevin Durant, you know, versus the entire Bucks team. It was, it was 105, one I'm crying out loud. One but more. let me explain something to you. When you look at the Milwaukee Bucks, and Giannis, they're, he's their best player. Mm-hmm. And when opposing teams go on runs, you want to get to the free throw line and attack the rim and try to get back into a rhythm back going to the free throw line, right? Like right. you want to attack the rim and go to the free throw line so you can kind of calm the crowd down, hit your free throw shots, and maybe stop the run from the opposing team. 
Well, the problem is the Milwaukee Bucks, they have the opposite happen with them. Because Giannis struggles at the free throw line and he misses his free throw shots, the team, in my opinion, they get deflated when they see their best player go to the line because they know it's a great chance he's going to miss his free throws. And those free throws are supposed to keep you in the game when the opposing team is going on a run. So, you know, that's an issue when I look at this Milwaukee Bucks team. Giannis going to the free throw line when he misses both free throws, it doesn't help them stop the opposing team's run. And, you know, it deflates the team as a whole. When you see your best player go to the free throw line and you know, like, oh, he's going to miss, he's going to miss. Like, we need these free throw shots. We need this to stop the bleeding. And when he doesn't hit his shot, free throw shots, I just believe it's a recipe for disaster for the Milwaukee Bucks team overall. He shot 6 of 10 from the free throw line last night, which isn't bad. It's actually great for Giannis. But when your best player is a bad free throw shooter, I just don't think you can win a championship with that formula. I can't believe you said it's a disaster. It's a disaster for Milwaukee Bucks when Giannis plays free throws. Now, I do. I agree. Like what? Your best player missing free throws? That's a disaster for your team. It's like I, I, I get that that Giannis he has to make free throws. So, but when he do miss free throws, when he be missing his free throws, they bounce back from the free throws. Like they they accept second chance rebound or make get a defensive stop and they come down and scoring on them. I just. Like for Giannis, like he, I agree with you. He has to make free throws, man. Free throws is the, the, the most savior thing in the NBA. You have to make free throws. But Giannis, he has to, you know, he has to be more aggressive when he's scoring. Be more aggressive. You know, yesterday they said he, he said he felt great after the injury, and that's something that you just got to keep a like close tab on because you don't know how much sore he get his knee. So I think that. Giannis have to be smart when he's scoring the ball. Like, yeah. So that's going to be fun. But the thing is, too, we look at game one, right? The Phoenix Suns, they shot 25 of 26 from the free throw line. The only miss they had was Jay Crowder in the final 15 seconds. He been, he couldn't hit the side of a barnyard yeah. last night. He was awful. But he the only player that missed a free throw last night. They shot 25 of 26, 96% from the free throw line. They're the best shooting free throw team, you know, in NBA history in the playoffs. So – you know, they got to the rim. And one thing about a score, a score, even when offensively he's not shooting the ball well, he can get to the free throw line and still put up points. And that's what Devin Booker did last night. Mm-hmm. Devin Booker had 27 points, but he only shot 8 of 21 from the floor. Yeah. But he shot 10 of 10 from the free throw line. So I like Devin Booker being in attack mode for the Phoenix Suns, and that's not going to happen again. Devin Booker's not going to shoot 8 of 21 from the floor again. And the Phoenix Suns as a team, they won't shoot 11 of 34 from three-point land. Okay, they only shot 32% from three-point range. So I'm, I'm counting. So, so, so the Milwaukee Bucks, they shot better from three-point range than the Phoenix Suns did last night. I don't think that's something that you can count on moving forward as we go farther along in this series. But what I do think you can count on is the Phoenix Suns hitting their free throw, free throw shots. And also you can count on Chris Paul and Devin Booker getting whatever they want and pick and roll action. I don't think your Bucks have an answer for them in the pick and roll. And I think Chris Paul and Devin Booker, they're getting whatever they want, however, whenever, and wherever. And that's the issue right now for the Milwaukee Bucks. And that's I think, not that they're going to lose the series. I think for the Milwaukee Bucks, like like, like, like Willow, he has to make a, he got to make adjustment. He has to play the small ball, believe in the small ball, and he got to figure out the holes in the game, though. So if he went, once he figure out the holes in the game, I think the Milwaukee Bucks are gonna be just fine. I do agree with you that I think they need to go small. Yeah, they need to put Giannis at the five, and they need to give guys, you know, like 
you know, Brett Forbes, you know, Bobby Portis, Connington going to get more minutes. You got to get those guys more minutes so you can play Giannis at the five because Giannis can guard Chris Paul and Devin Booker, you know, on the perimeter better than Lopez can. Yeah. You know, like he's more athletic. So I don't want him out there. Though. You know, but you're going to have to put him out there. You he's going to have to be in the pick and roll action. You, you can't have Lopez out there. In well, it. he's a great def- – he's a good defender with defending the pick and roll, but – in that type of situation, I get what you're saying. They took advantage of uh, Brooke Lopez last they night. They did. And they, they tore man, they tore up Bobby Porter in the third quarter. They did. Man, they was killing him. Like, and Giannis, I think he is more athletic. And he's more longer and bigger. And he'd be able to, like, defend and get blocks, though. But, man, they, they have to run a small ball if they want to be able to beat this Suns team, man. And then also get some – show some. we got to show some love to, to, to Cam Johnson and Cameron Payne. You know, off the bench, they both dropped twenty points. You know, yeah, that was big. combined. Combined, Johnson and Cameron Payne both had twenty points, and you know, Johnson had two assists. Cameron Payne, you know, hit a few shots. So that I also felt like the Suns, you know, they had better bench production than the Bucks in this game. You know, overall, like the Bucks, you know, they, they didn't really have like Connington gives you eight, Porter's gives you five, but I think in order for the Bucks to win this series. They need some major contributions from the bench. I agree. The whole wins game two, Mr. Largest. Uh, the Phoenix Suns going to take care of business in game two. Uh, again, I believe this series is over. I think the Phoenix Suns, you know, are the better team. That's, you know, whether or not – even if Giannis plays and he's 100%, I think the Phoenix Suns are the better team. I think the Milwaukee Bucks, you know, they're front runners. I never believe in the Milwaukee Bucks. I never believe in Giannis as being a true superstar in the playoffs that can win you a championship. I think he has intangibles missing. He doesn't have that killer instinct. And when your best player down the stretch, you know, has limitations offensively, I don't think you win a championship, you know, like that. So I think giving all them there. Take, well, they got there without him in the Eastern Conference. I mean, they, I mean, but he got them into the playoffs and Eastern Conference position. So you want to act like they didn't luck up against the Nets? Are you telling me? Oh, you, you, didn't, oh, you didn't even have a gust luck up? You, luck up? You didn't even have a gust of pickle. So you didn't even believe in them. So what are you saying? If we, if we say luck up, the Phoenix Suns luck was great. We're not talking about Phoenix. I'm That's another saying. conversation. We're talking about the Milwaukee Bucks. Look, they look, looked up against Brooklyn. But what, look, look. Well, they had beat Brooklyn healthy. Yes and, yeah. and no. Oh, yeah. Milwaukee would have beat Brooklyn healthy. James Harden ain't been playing since. So, I, okay, let me explain. How the hell did they beat Brooklyn healthy? Hold on. Hold well, on. you didn't even have a gust to pick up in game seven with a compromised James Harden, no Kyrie Irving, and Kevin Durant. Oh. Look, think about it. Think about it. James Harden been fighting this injury all season long. He's been unhealthy. So if they, he name a time he was healthy in the season, Trey. Name a time he was healthy in the season. I'm asking you, would they had to be the healthy Brooklyn Nets team? You said they would have. Yes. Okay. They they wouldn't though. But you know they wouldn't. But you know they wouldn't. He been he wasn't he been healthy. He wasn't healthy all year. So they they had a chance to beat him. Once Kyrie went down, oh oh yeah, all their little championship went flew all out the window, man. Because to be honest. Kyrie was more valuable than James Harden. And James Harden wasn't compromised. James Harden and Kevin Durant would have beaten the Milwaukee Bucks. They would have beaten him. He wasn't compromised. Because it compromised James Harden, the Milwaukee Bucks still went to game seven and had to go to overtime to beat the Brooklyn Nets with a compromised James Harden. Oh, KD hit the KD hit a, a fadeaway jump shot. We're not gonna forget that. That's Kevin Durant, man. Right, but that's the point I'm making. That's with the help, the healthy Kevin Durant and the healthy James Harden. They would have beaten the Milwaukee Bucks even without Kyrie Irving. I don't believe in the Milwaukee Bucks. I think they're front runners. I, I believe it's hard to win a championship 
when your best player has know. limitations offensively. I don't know. If you, because down the stretch of games, no. make no mistake about it, this team relies on Chris Middleton. And Chris Middleton is the Batman and Giannis is the Robin in late game playoff moments. I'm talking about in late game playoff moments. Yes or no? Who's the Batman? Who's the Batman? Batman? And it's Superman. Like, come on now. Who's going to win game two? I got the Milwaukee Bucks winning. I think they're going to steal game two, Trey. I think they're going to be more ready to play the Phoenix Suns. Think they about, they're going to defend the pick and roll. They have to make free throw. If they are hitting free throws, and that's going to keep them in the game because they missed a lot of free throws like, on game one. And Mike Budenholz just pronounced he's, un, he's unhappy about the free throw percentage. Now, one thing I will give Giannis credit for, I was very impressed with Giannis going out there and playing in game one. This is only a week removed from his injury in the Eastern Conference Finals clearance in game four. So I was impressed with Giannis having the guts to go out there, you know, and have the heart to go out there with his team, knowing he's battling this injury. You know, I was very impressed with you know, him showing heart. And I don't think he's 100 percent, but I do believe that he is capable of playing this entire series. It's the I was impressed with his chase down block on Michael Bridges. Yeah. Reminded me of LeBron James chase down block on Iggy in the 2016 NBA Finals Game Seven. Uh, very impressed with that. So I was impressed with Giannis for for going out there, you know, knowing he's injured and trying to you know play for his team in the NBA Finals. That impressed me. Like I, I, I he showed a lot of heart, and I'll never question Giannis heart and whether or not he wants because I know Giannis points I just think he has limitations offensively and it's hard to win a championship that way but like I'm gonna compare like I love Kawhi, like I love yeah but that's, that's I love Kawhi Leonard I don't think Kawhi would have played last night with Giannis injury would you agree but that's why I'm giving Giannis credit I'm getting some credit two different injuries no I'm, I'm talking about if he had Giannis injury like Giannis, I mean, he, his, 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 I thought he was going to not see for a long time. The hyper to me, Giannis, after he injured it, he, was, he, he rested for like a day or two, and he was right back in the gym working on that. Yeah. And like when they was at practice, he was on the, the health and injury side, just working on his feet. There's no ligaments was damaged, so that was a great thing. So no ACL was torn. I just think he, he just needed a rest and heal. Like all yeah. honesty. Because there's a difference between being injured and hurt. Yeah. I think Giannis is injured right now, and I believe some players, when they're injured, they still won't play. Like, Kawhi, if he's injured, he's not playing. That's Because that's, when, that's when you're hurt, you, you can't play. Like, you can't tolerate the pain. It's just too much to overcome. I think that's what happened with Trey Young in the Eastern Conference Finals. I think Trey Young in that bone bruise, they talked about it. You know, he missed game four and game five. They talked about how the pain was too much. Like, yeah. the pain tolerance was, was too much for him. So I'm assuming when he played in game six, you know, he was playing more so injured than hurt. When you hurt, it's hard to play. A lot of players, because they want to protect themselves and also don't want to have, you know, injuries that's going to last for a very long time, even when they're injured, they won't play. But everybody at this time of year in sports, when you get late, you know, to the NBA finals, when you get late in the Super Bowl, you all dealing with some type of injury. Yeah. You all dealing with some type of injury. Everybody, everybody. Like Chris Paul. Like at the end of the Western Conference Finals, in the post-game press conference, Chris Paul was talking about how he had torn ligaments in his wrist. You remember that? Yeah. And I'm like, what? <laughs> like, yeah. I, didn't, I didn't even know. Like, the way Chris Paul balled out in game six, you know, dropping, what, 31 in the second half? I, I, I couldn't tell he had torn ligaments in his wrist. Right. So it'd just be amazing how, like, players, everybody's different. Everybody's pain tolerance is different. 
But again, there's a difference for us to be injured and hurt, and I give Giannis yeah. a ton of credit for going out there playing in game one, Yep. you know, in the NBA Finals. Yeah, and Chris Carter on the uh, show, Trey, he said it, do, it don't matter if Giannis played better. Drew Holiday got to step up more in order for them to win. That, yeah. I agree, yo. And you said that was your X factor, too, right there, man. Yeah. And he's I been getting barbecue chicken. And mm-hmm. that's the problem. In order for the Milwaukee Bucks to have a chance at winning this series, they need their big three of Drew Holiday, Chris Middleton, and Giannis to outplay Chris Paul, Devin Booker, and DeAndre Ayton. It didn't happen last. The other two showed up. The other one didn't. True enough. I, I can understand that. I can understand that. Tomorrow. But let's transition to another NBA topic. As the Lakers, there were rumors in the NBA that the Lakers could trade for Spurs guard, DeMar DeRozan. So what do you believe the Lakers should do this offseason? Do you believe that they should pursue DeMar DeRozan, you know, from the Spurs? I think so, too. I think DeMar DeRozan would be, like, a solid move, though. But it won't be the best move. It'd be a solid move because, you know, his off-ball dribbling, and he can attack the basket, facilitate. And he's not a not good of a three-point shooter, though, but he, he can attack the basket and give him another scoring, scoring option. You know, when LeBron James or Anthony Davis is off, off the floor. I think this won't be bad, but to me, though, Remember when Paul George, they had that fan that they, they said he's getting traded next year to the Los Angeles Lakers? Yeah. I think, like, like he would have fit more better than uh, – fit way more better than DeMar DeRozan because he can, he's a good three-point shooter, and he's actually good with the ball and saying, like, he can, he can score. But DeMar DeRozan, he's one of those guys that, that, that can control the pace and play at his own. And, you know, slow the pace down. So he can change, change the pace guy. I think this will be a learning for him, though, actually to take a step into him shooting more threes. But DeMar DeRozan will be a good fit, a good solid fit. It won't be the best fit, but it'll be a good solid fit, something that they would need, another scoring option. Yeah, I disagree. I don't believe this is a move the Lakers should make, Clarence, because for me last year watching the Lakers play, I believe they struggled hitting perimeter shots. And I don't believe DeMar DeRozan helps you in that department. For his career, DeMar DeRozan, He's shooting 28% from three-point range. Yeah. So DeMar DeRozan has never been the type of player that can light it up from outside. He's the he's more of a mid-range shooter. You know, he's not a long-range shooter like Steph Curry, like Damian Lillard. You know, like that's not who DeMar DeRozan is. And I believe that's what the Lakers need more so than anything else. They need someone who can hit perimeter shots because Kuzma, he's inconsistent. You know, Caldwell Pope, he doesn't hit the perimeter shot at a high level. You know, this entire season, I just felt like the Lakers struggled as a team. Now, one thing I will give DeMar DeRozan credit for, he's the kind of player that creates his own shot. I think the Lakers do need someone on their team that can create their own shot and don't need to get the ball delivered to them by LeBron. And, like, a lot of these players on their team, Kyle Kuzma, you know, Caldwell Pope, they need LeBron James to put them in positions to score. DeMar DeRozan doesn't need LeBron James to put him in a position to score because he can create his own shot off the dribble. So I do believe DeMar DeRozan will help you from that standpoint. He'll be another player who can create off the dribble and create his own shot. But I think this Lakers team needs shooting more so than anything else, especially offensively. So I don't think DeMar DeRozan necessarily helps them in his shooting department. Like, if you can get your hands on a shooter like a Damian Lillard, like a Steph Curry, I believe you go with that move compared to going for DeMar DeRozan. That's like settling, in my opinion. So uh, I'm looking in the comments, and they actually they actually was going off your uh, word. 
they were saying Lakers might be losing Dennis Schroeder, Trez, Kuzma, and Drummond. They're going to be more than DeMar DeRozan. I think the I think when you add DeMar, you're still going to have more pieces around him. And he, somebody said Lakers should bring back Zobac. He shot 39% from the three. Good perimeter and can run the offense. That uh, Lonzo Ball. That won't be a bad option. That won't be a bad I option. I got a better option than him. Oh, Lakers. I will, If I was a Lakers, if you can't get, you know, Lonzo, I will roll with Kimba Walker. I would make no. a trade. Yes. No. Kimba's better than Lonzo. No, he's not. I would, what? I would not. I, Lonzo this, better than Kimba? At this point, the Lakers. Kimba's better than Lonzo. Kimba can't And he can create up the dribble. Kimba he doesn't help you. He doesn't really help you as far as shooting. But if you can't get a DeMar DeRozan or a Steph Curry, if you can't get a superstar, then I believe you need to get a player that can create his own shot. Time DeMar's, DeMar's not bad. But I, I, I believe I would take Kimba definitely over Lonzo. Time out. It's how many? How many young? Is there in the Western Conference? There are a lot of uh, superstar guards who need a guy that can that can defend the perimeter, that can get push Damian Lillard, Steph Curry off the perimeter, and Lonzo Ball does that. Kimball Walker, his defensive effort won't be it won't be enough. He can score, yes, but I want to think he's the best fit for them, and that's why he, he got shipped to Oklahoma City because Oklahoma City they're stuck in their ways trying to figure out what they're about to do with him. But Lonzo Ball gives them a great, great, a great add perimeter defense. Three point shooting. He has sides of length. So whenever LeBron James is off the court, Lonzo Ball can be taken over. But Kim Walker is one of those guys who just want to score. You got to put him in scoring position. And that's what he is. And something he couldn't do in Boston. They want him to facilitate what well, he wanted to score. So it didn't pan out. Either way it goes, he's hurt. He's so, hurt. so you think Lonzo will be a better fit for the Lakers than Kim? I believe so. What y'all think? What y'all opinion? Everybody remember go follow the Wise Guys on Twitter at WiseGuys underscore eight, Facebook Wise Guys. Be sure to follow Wise Guys on Instagram with these guys know sports. I believe a better fit for the Lakers is Kimba Walker over Lonzo Ball. We'll be talking about DeMar real quick. Yeah. When it comes to DeMar, would you – you say you would make the move for DeMar, right? I would. Like, okay, I say no because I don't – I don't. again, I love DeMar DeRozan. I think he's a great scorer. You know, he creates offense for himself and others. I thought he did a hell of a job last year in clutch moments for the Spurs. You know, I watched DeMar DeRozan. You know, score at an elite level when he gets to his mid-range. Mm-hmm. You know, he can hit the mid-range shot at a high level. He hit, makes his free throw shots. He also is from California. He's under, he's from LA. So, you know, that would be a good move from you know a, a, a ge- not geographical standpoint. But I just don't really believe Demar makes them you know the favorites in the Western Conference when you got to go up against teams you know like the Phoenix Suns with Chris Paul. And Devin Booker, you got to go against if, – if the Denver Nuggets, when they get Jamal Murray back, you know, Jamal Murray, if he's healthy, I think the Denver Nuggets right now are better than the Lakers. Right now. And you want Kimba, though. You want Kimba instead of Lonzo, and Jamal Murray's going to be killing him. I'm saying What I'm saying is, okay, that's true. But what does Lonzo give you offensively? Three-point shooting. He can't score like Kimba. He can't. Kimba he, can't even score like he used to. The problem is with Lonzo. I know he's a great passer. But at some point, you have to be able to score – like that, that's scored. my issue. He doesn't. He doesn't. He's not really aggressive enough. That was always my issue with Lonzo. Like Lonzo was never aggressive. Is, is Lonzo as aggressive as De'Aaron Fox? No, De'Aaron Fox that, is more aggressive. That would be a solid pick, though. If you had to choose, I would choose De'Aaron Fox over Kemba, though. No, oh my God! No, are you serious? No, wow. So you want to just disrespect Kemba like that? But Kemba is trash now. Trash? He's trash. Stop. Don't, don't do that. He had a banged up knee last year. I don't even year. think he's a top ten point guard. That's how 
That's how trash. Man, look. He, Are you serious? Man, look. That's disrespectful. That's disrespectful. Okay, I'm sorry. I'm sorry I disrespect you. And, and, and listen, listen. I know he had a rough year last year. But to say he's trash, man. That's insane. I'm, I'm, he's not okay. trash. Let me not disrespect the man. You already have. I'm going to say this. I'm going to say this. I'm going to say this. De'Aaron Fox will be the best option than Kemba Walker. Kemba Walker is he's getting up in age that he can't move like he used to. He's not dropping 25 no more, Trey. He's not. So if he was with the Lakers right now, how much you think he'd give them? Probably like 17 or 18. No. You know who can give you that and better production? Lonzo Ball or De'Aaron Fox. Oh, De'Aaron Fox is his argument. But not Lonzo. Lonzo is probably the, one of the best defenders in the league. Man. You, but the Lakers need someone who can create their own shot. They, That's not Lonzo. Lonzo's not a scorer. They need more than that. Like, like what Chris Carter just said. Chris, my cousin Chris just said. They lose, probably lose. Uh, That's going to lead to our next question, too. They're going to lose. Probably Trez. Because Trez been frustrated. Uh, uh, Andre Trumman been getting it, too, with people on, on Twitter. Uh, Schroeder, he won $100 million. You going to pay him $100 million, Trey? No. No, exactly. So that's what I'm asking. Like, what other offseason moves should the Lakers, you know, improve their roster? Again, I think they need to get a player that can create their own shot. They but I don't – But they need someone who can shoot. The Lakers struggle from three-point range this year. Lonzo, okay, Lonzo, he, he can help you in that department, but does he help you as far as being able to create his own shot? No. Like, yeah. you, can, you, can, you can get that from Kemper. Kimba shoots 36% from three-point range. Not great, but Kimba can also create his own shot. You know, like he can also get others involved. Don't act like when Kimba Walker was in oh, Charlotte. Kimba Walker a few times got the, the Charlotte Hornets to the playoffs. Kimba's not a bum. I think the reason why Kimba got <laughs> shot, you just said he was trash. I was like, that's a bum? That's the same thing as a bum? Yeah, say he's a trash. Okay. Say he's a bum. The man What's is- the difference then? Now you trying to qualify. <laughs> you trying to qualify how bad I'm going to say he's a no, look, the reason why he got shipped out of Boston is because Danny, because Brad Stevens, you know, they are letting it be known. This is Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum's team. And there were times where I watched the Southerns last year, and I thought Kimball Walker was in the way. But if he's healthy and he's in the right situation, I think he can help a championship contender get over that hump and win a championship. And if you team him up with LeBron James, and Anthony Davis, an already dynamic duo, you know, the likes we've seen since Kobe and Shaq, I believe Kimber Walker would add to that Lakers team and make them better. Man, listen, 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 listen to your coach, Trey. Like, Kimber is solid. He had his prime. But honestly, like, okay, okay, I'm going to put it like this. You, okay, you know how CP3 is doing with Phoenix. Yeah. That's what Kimber's supposed to be doing in Boston right now with Jalen Brown, Marcus Smart, and Jason Taylor, he's supposed to be their mentor, leading them, being their facilitator for them because he, like you said, this is Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum team. He's supposed to be the big brother that's playing them positions to score, man. And I just think he refused to take that. He couldn't get with it because he's a scorer. He's a scorer. Like, but that's why I say he doesn't fit with the Lakers. I would take De'Aaron Fox or Lonzo Ball. De'Aaron Fox is younger. Well, I like De'Aaron Fox. He's faster. He, he can attack the basket better than them at this point in time. I, I like De'Aaron Fox, but I'm not – Picking Lonzo over Kimber. I, I would still bring in Lonzo because he'd give you a three-point shot and perimeter defense, though. But Kimber Walker helping the Lakers, I don't think that's a good fit because he's always hurt. He he, he got a durability, he got a availability problem. And when you have that problem, that makes things worse. Why do you think the Boston Celtics cut him out that extension? Yeah. Now I got someone else who can help the Lakers. Okay. Let me hear it. Y'all ready for this? Oh, let me hear it. My favorite player. Carmelo Anthony. Okay, he'd be better than Kuzma. Oh, for sure. Like, you bring Melo in, Melo is an upgrade over Cal Kuzma. 
He's significantly more consistent at this point in his career. He's still more consistent than Capu. Depends on the floor of the game. Is he, you know, he, he, he you can still break Melo off the bench. Last year, yeah. last year in Portland, Melo averaged 13 points per game on 42% shooting from the floor. You know, gave you three rebounds. You know, played 69 games for the Portland Trailblazers. Yeah, Melo can still contribute to a championship contender. It was supposed to happen a few years ago. It didn't happen. It's time for LeBron and Melo to team up. And we got Chris Paul about to win his first NBA championship. Oh, the only thing left to do on the, the only thing left to do is get Melo his first <laughs> NBA championship. <laughs> yeah. And it should happen with the Lakers next year. LeBron, make the call to Jeannie Buss and 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 you know, is it who's the general manager for the Lakers? Rock Lincoln, make the call. Get Melo to LA and let's get my boy Melo a championship. Man, I, I think I think another improved move would be for them. Is um if Reggie Jackson is available, I'll probably look into him too because he, he gave some quality points off the bench. But I like that. Yeah, that'd I like be, that. That'd be solid though. But if you can get a Zach Levine from Chicago, if he don't like resign with them, that right there is your true shot creator right there. He's young, he can shoot the three, he can attack the basket, he's the explosive as ever. Explosive. And Le- LeBron James loves an explosive player. Dwayne Wade, Kyrie Irvin, um, 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 anyways, but yeah, I think Zach Levine would also help too, though. And, I'll, and let me ask you this though: Drummond also said that the Lakers needed to they needed to play him more. Do you think they should re-sign Drummond or they they should trade him for to bring him another star? I mean, I just don't like Drummond. You don't like Drummond Davis like playing together. Like I've never I never believed he's the body of ends Drummond. I don't think he really fits with this Lakers team. Oh, he slows them down in my opinion. Like I don't like Drummond on the Lakers. I think. That was a desperate move, you know. At the time when they signed Drummond, you know, they needed another body. I think they made a mistake letting go out of still Dwight Howard, you know, from a pre from the previous year. You know, I, that's what made them good, you know, last year in the bubble. They had a big team a with great. Dwight Howard, you know, Anthony Davis, you know, <laughs> and 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 they had a big squad. And I think that's the issue that you know that I have. With, I, I'm not really big into Drummond. I don't think he's a great fit with I think. He's just one of those guys, like, he's a big body in the middle, a real yeah. protector, a pick and roll specialist, but he's slow. He's slow. He's and that's what made the Lakers great in the bubble. They had Anthony Davis. They had Dwight Howard. They had JaVel McGee. They had a nice, you know, team as far as size and girth. And they also weren't as slow as Drummond is. Drummond is slow. <laughs> Honestly, I like the JaVel McGee in the bubble, man. He was running back down the court. Right. Block shots. Like right. Drummond. He moves at a faster pace mm-hmm. than Drummond did for the Lakers this year. And I think Drummond, though, honestly, if you if you actually did an observation on him, he looked unhealthy this year. Like, he, he didn't look like he was healthy playing for the Lakers. He didn't feel like he was in a mood and rhythm with them. He was so nonchalant, like, hey, LeBron, tell him to play. Like, whatever, bro. I'm going to be on the block anyway. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so, and then let's lead to our another question. Do you still believe LeBron and AD are the best duo in Ooh, that is tough. When you talk about best duels in the NBA. Like, okay, when I think about best duels in the NBA. I'm thinking about the best Steph Curry, Clay Thompson. You know, like I'm thinking about Chris Paul, Devin Booker. I'm thinking about Giannis and Chris Middleton. Like when I think about best duo in the NBA, it's so many names that come to mind. But I believe, and they're both healthy. I do believe that Anthony Davis and LeBron James is the best duo in the NBA. Clarence, when I look at LeBron and Anthony Davis, it reminds me of Kobe and Shaq. I feel like when they're playing at an elite level, they're unstoppable. I believe Anthony Davis, you know, when he's healthy, 
He's a top five player in the NBA. You know LeBron James, even as he's getting older, he still can play at a high level. You know, still a top five player in the league. Take all that consideration. I still believe LeBron and Anthony Davis is the best duo in the NBA when healthy. I, even I, over, and also even over Kawhi and Paul George. I'm mission with them. I actually agree with you, man, because when AD is healthy, I know I do a lot of slander with Giannis better than AD, but, I, but I always respect AD like, man, this dude can really fall. This dude is like like the best, probably is one of the best skilled and big man in the league, one of the best. Yeah. And when he's healthy and LeBron James is like up healthy, though, like as long as AD healthy, you can win the game. They, they could have won the finals this year, though, if he was healthy. Because, you know, Aiden, Aiden was getting with him, though, but if you take him out that paint, man, that's AD's world right there. Right. And shooting jump shot. But I think they're still one of the best uh, duos in the NBA. I think they're like the top, top two, top three. Because, like, their impact to the game, though, Trey, their impact is like ridiculous, bro. Like how how they be able to share the rock, pick and roll, alley oops, AD setting up for three, LeBron setting up three. They just look like they haven't fallen playing with each other, and it makes it more the game more entertaining and competitive because you see how they got their own rhythm going and they they know how to play at their rhythm. In fact, I still think they're one of the best best duos in the NBA, man. I still honestly believe so because AD man, it's hard to stop a guy. Okay, so we both agree that LeBron and Anthony Davis are still the best duo in the NBA. Yeah. Let's talk about other duos in the NBA. Okay. How do let's rank them? So let's, let's talk about we got all healthy. All healthy. Healthy. Denver, Jamal Murray, Joker. Also, we got Chris Middleton, Giannis. Mm-hmm. We got Steph Curry, Clay Thompson. We got Paul George, Kawhi Leonard. Yeah. Okay. Am I missing anybody? In the dynamic uh, duo side. Uh, uh, Dame and CJ. Dame and CJ. Okay. You can throw them in there. Okay. You can throw in. Uh, I know they're young, yeah. but you can throw in Zion and Ingram. Man. Uh, don't don't do my I'm man Zion. Don't do my man Zion. I'm not ready to throw him in there yet. Trey, don't do my man Zion. Not yet. They ain't proved. They haven't proved anything that these other dynamic duos have proved. Okay. Not yet. Okay. Playoffs. Okay. Let, we're only gonna go off these. We got five. We got five. We got five other than the Lakers. Okay. Okay. So we got Denver, Milwaukee, Golden State, Clippers, and Blazers. Unfortunately, you can throw in Luka and Clippers. Don't do that. Don't do that. Hey, you know what I'm saying? more money than it be. Oh, you can throw it in B to Ben Simmons. No. Yes, absolutely Regardless, Ben Simmons can't show. Not about his, impact, his impact in this game is Joe Allen is one of the big, best centers in the league. Ben Simmons doesn't even deserve to be mentioned on our show. Ben Simmons. Tonight, okay? Look, don't even mention him right if now. If Ben Simmons just can hit, like, 10 threes in, like, in this series, you won't be saying this. I swear. Like, he, he, no, no. Oh, man. You should Stop. Him, Stop, man. Like, no, not you got to respect it, though. Ben Simmons, I like Ben, okay? I think okay. Ben has tremendous upside. Okay. But Ben needs to get in the gym and learn how to shoot from your shots. Yeah, okay. What about Russell Westbrook and Bradley Beal? We can have them. I like that. Okay. Again, Katie and Kyrie. But they got a trio. I mean, it's kind of the team. Or it's it's like the facilitator. He's a, a true facilitator. Kyrie is a better. I was at work. Let's not even count them. What? Oh, come on. Because, because they got a trio. Okay. It's ridiculous. Okay, what about... um? You reaching. I'm, I'm reaching. <laughs> Who else you gonna name? I'm talking about prime duos in NBA. Prime duos, I swear. And these are the prime duos. Donovan Mitchell and Rudy Gobert. No. <laughs> I'm, I'm, looking, I'm not. No, I'm not. No. Hey, no. Hey, Trey, do not want to. Okay, so let's let's take. Okay, let's take these right here. All right. Denver, Milwaukee, Golden State, Clippers, Blazers, Wizards. Rankles. Okay. We got we got we got LeBron AD with the Lakers is number one. Okay. Okay. So we got one, two, 
You gotta put the Splash Bros in like. So that's seven. You got seven dynamic duos. You gotta. So you got second. You gotta put the Splash Bros on the two. So you got second. Okay. Yeah, because their impact in the game, like them threes, bro, them go crazy. And Clay Thompson can scorch you. The man can score thirty points in five minutes. One dribble shot. And number three, you can put the Los Angeles Clippers, Kawhi Leonard and Paul George. I had uh, stepping them over them because you know their impact to the game is like more more astounding and something that. Like the, the other Warriors bite off of. And then you can throw in um you can throw in Denver. Denver, Jamal Murray, and um Jokic. Cause over like I they like they actually make the top five, honestly. Okay. So what's that? Three right there. Three, and then you got okay, so we got Denver off, Golden State off, and the the Clippers off. So you got three more. You got Portland, Washington, Milwaukee. Milwaukee makes the list. And then Portland. Because right. Dame carries that team day in and day out. He put up monster numbers. I hear from you all the time. Yeah. It's Dame time, man. Little value was shirt that say it's Dame time. So every time a Dame play comes, game talk about him. Make sure you have that on. But yeah, that the list from there. I think the Washington Wizards will be the last though because Russell Westbrook. I think he like he's he's efficient though, but he, he doesn't shoot at the high level. Okay. And Bradley Beal is a top scorer, but he can't play deep. For me, all right, after the Lakers, okay? Yep. We, we both agree that the Lakers have the best dynamic duo. All right. I got Golden State. So I agree with you in your first three. Golden State. And the reason why I'm picking Golden State is they're more proven. Yeah. Steph and Clay, they, when they've proven they can win championships. Yeah. More so than anyone else in the league. So I got Steph and Clay, number two. I got Kawhi and Paul George at number three with the Clippers. I got Jamal Murray and the Joker at number three. Like, okay. you Or number four. Maybe number four. But here's where we disagree. Oh. God, I believe Damian Lillard is a superstar. I got Portland over Milwaukee because I think Damian Lillard is a superstar. He has zero limitations offensively. Zero. And Dame, from a scoring perspective, is better than Giannis and Chris Middleton. Okay, let's take out – let's let's, let's not worry now, about the superstars right now. Who is the better option for the second option? Chris Middleton, CJ McCollum. Honest opinion. I pay. I pay. Honestly, it's a toss-up. It's really, I'm honest, man. I, it's a toss-up. I believe. Oh, you just don't want to pick Chris Middleton? No, no, no. I really believe it's a toss-up, and I will tell you this: I believe that CJ McCollum, you know, scores better than Giannis. Like he has, like he has a better all-around offensive. Okay. All around, like all around, like from the perimeter to mid-range to get to the cup, he's better than Giannis from a scoring perspective. Giannis is. More athletic than CJ McCullough. Giannis is a bucket though. If he, he, if he's he a bucket when he gets in the interior in the paint. Other than about. that, other than that, he's limited. And I'm being nice. So that's why I'm picking Portland over Milwaukee. Oh. I think Dame, I think Dame from a scoring perspective is better than Giannis and Chris Middleton. And I think Chris Middleton and CJ McCullum are both about even. It's a toss-up in my opinion. Mm. Yes, I think CJ's definitely a better all-around scorer than Giannis is. So I'm giving oh. Portland an edge. Oh, over Milwaukee. This ain't yes. perimeter score. All around score, he can he can attack the basket better than Giannis. That's a damn lie. I said all around perimeter, mid range, and get to the rim. CJ McCullum scores at a higher rate two out of than two. Giannis. Two out of two. So that's why I got Milwaukee, and, and then I got Washington. <laughs> I got Bradley Beal and Russell Westbrook. Yeah, last some guys, yeah, but they ball out though. Yeah, them guys can, them guys can drop 70, 80 points. A peak, you know, you know, combined. It could have beat the Wits. I mean, could have beat the. Uh, but I'm not putting Philly. And also, I'll say I probably would take Philly. Over uh over the Wizards. No, I'm not. Because Ben Simmons struggles to shoot from the You see what they did to the Wizards in that series? They took one score away, and the other score was stronger. 
fight. Not just it's, just, it's more than that. Yeah, it's than that. But I also I will be I'll be honest. The Clippers and the Warriors was tough for me. It but was. I picked the Warriors as the second best duo in the NBA when healthy. But Clippers is a close, close third. Probably like right there. Yeah, like they're close. They really two A and two B for me because defensively, I think. Kawhi Leonard and Paul George are better than Steph Curry and Klay Thompson. Yeah. Klay Thompson can defend. Steph Curry can't defend whatsoever. But Paul George and Kawhi Leonard, they're two of the best perimeter defenders we have in the NBA. So that's why I give the Clippers, you know, a, a shot over the Golden State Warriors' duo. Now, I do believe that Steph Curry and Klay Thompson, they're better shooters than Paul George and Kawhi Leonard. But defensively, I give the slight edge you know, to the Clippers, but it, that one was close to me. So, man, this this was an interesting topic because AD and LeBron are, we're still considering them as the best duo in the league. So, we're expecting them to be healthy at at least a top three team in the NBA. For sure. For sure. Let's transition, Clarence, to some NFL. Woo! And let's talk about the Denver Broncos. The Denver Broncos, oh we are going around the NFL, ladies and gentlemen, and we're giving our predictions for each team. In the division, we are in the AFC West now. Yes. We talked about the NFC West last week. So let's talk about the Denver Broncos and the AFC West. The Denver Broncos finished 5-11 last year. They were fourth in the AFC West. They exercised their option on Bob Miller. They re-signed safety Kareem Jackson. They bring back Drew Locke and Vic Fangio for his third season. Missed the playoffs the last five years. They haven't been back to the postseason since they won a Super Bowl in 2015 with Peyton Manning clearance. So, what are your expectations for the Denver Broncos this season? I think this Broncos team, though, Trey, they have a, a challenge ahead of them because this they're in a tough division right now. They're in a tough spot right now because they see the Raiders and the Broncos, I mean, the Raiders and the Chargers are coming up to be strong. And then it's up to them. It's, it's literally up to them to, like, be able to slow them down because I see them. They got a nice defense. I like Bradley Chuck. I see they brought back Kareem Jackson was a good one. Von Miller they exercised probably one of the best deep best outside DNs in our era yeah. of football. So I think their defense has really been good taken care of. It's just the coaching. Vic Bango, he's a defensive coordinator. He's a former defensive coordinator, so he doesn't know the offense as much as he should, and that that makes this Broncos team a one dimensional team. Like get a game manager and a rely on your defense to have to take care of business. Like they have solid, like to be honest, they have probably one of the underrated best offense in, in the NBA in NFL. Yeah. I think their offense can make a lot of noise. It's just the quarterback play it scares me, man. You got Teddy Bridgewater over from Carolina and you bring it back Drew Locke. I'm sorry, he's a bug. <laughs> he's yeah. a bug. Yeah. Now he's a bug. Now, yeah. And I just think like they have a challenge ahead of them, like, and I'm looking at their, their, their like their first five games. I'm gonna tell you after I hear what you gotta say about them, but they don't look good. Like, if they can prove these players wrong and like and make the playoff that what they haven't made since 2015, like I think they can shock some shocks, shock a few people. Yeah, my expectations for the Denver Broncos are they will not make the playoffs, Clarence, but <laughs> I do believe they will be a team that could spoil other teams' chances to get to the postseason. I believe, you know, they're not going to win the AFC West. You know, you know that's not going to happen. But I think they could be one of those teams that will be competing for one of those last wild card spots yeah. in the AFC. But I don't, don't think they will ultimately make the playoffs. And, again, I think they're going to play spoiler for other teams 
in the AFC. But you mentioned it a little bit earlier. I like their defense. You yeah. know, I love, obviously, Von Miller. We know how great he is. They still got Bradley Chubb. You know, you still got Draymond Jones, you know, at one of the other ends. I love their secondary. In their secondary, they got Cal Fuller. You know, you got Ronald Darby. You know, there are, there are two bona fide players that can help you in your secondary. And you Perfect. mentioned it. Vic Fangio, he's a defensive coach. So I'm a big believer in, ladies and gentlemen, for those of you who don't know, whatever your signature is as a head coach, that's what should improve once you take over the responsibility as being a head coach. And Vic Fangio, because he's a defensive coach, I expect the Broncos to be one of those top-tier teams on the defensive side of the ball. And But when you look at their offensive side of the ball, they got some pieces on offense as well. Yeah. I, I like Melvin Gordon, you know, as a running back solid. that can carry the load, you know, at the running back position. I like, you know, Jerry Judy. I think he's going to make strides this year, and I think he's going to be big time for the Denver Broncos. I like Cortland Sutton. He had some injuries last year. If he's healthy, I think he can help Jerry Judy, you know, on the outside. And then also, Noah Fant. I like Noah Fant. He makes plays, you know, in the open field for the Denver Broncos. But my questions for the Denver Broncos is about their quarterback because they don't really have – a bona fide quarterback right now that they can start and we can say, okay, we feel comfortable enough to pick the Broncos to make the playoffs. Like when you look at Drew Locke in 2019, Drew Locke, he had seven touchdowns, three interceptions. This was in five games, seven touchdowns, three interceptions. And he only hit a little bit over a thousand yards pass only in five games. But last year, Clarence, he turned the ball over a lot. He had 15 interceptions. He threw for close to 4,000 to 3,000 passing yards but he has 16 touchdowns, completed 57% of his passes. He's been very inconsistent. And that's my issue with the Denver Broncos right now. Because they don't have consistent quarterback play, I think that's what's going to hold them back from making the playoffs and being a true contender in the AFC. Yeah, and like Drew Locke, when he was coming out the draft, he had a rocket. And he was one of those type of quarterbacks, like, you need, like, a, a mentor in his ear yeah. telling him about that. And that's what John Elway. That's why I thought John Elway was, was going to happen. Because you won three supposed to the Denver Broncos. You're supposed to be, like, giving this giving this young man everything he needs to be a successful quarterback. Yeah. And so far, they haven't. They missed the playoffs since 2015. Like, like it, it, ha- it hasn't been right for them. So if they missed this, you'll just be the sixth one. Yeah. So – so when I was like I was looking through their first five schedules though, so you tell me what was they project the schedule to be? First game, first two games on the road actually against the Giants and Jacksonville. Oh, I think they can beat Jacksonville actually. And what about the Giants? That's a toss up. That's a toss up. I agree with that. That's a toss up. They can go either way. Okay, they can easily start off the season two and zero though. Easily. Ooh, that'd be Jacksonville, right? Oh yeah, every day. I Jacksonville. Trevor Lawrence. I think this Trevor Lawrence game to play against a solid defense because the Broncos defense actually top 10 actually. I agree. I yeah. think defense so, is solid. This is going to be a challenge to him. Like, hey, play against the top defense is how you going to show. And then they got the home opener against the New York Jets. I'm picking them to beat the Jets. I think the Jets are actually a solid team that can probably beat them on the road, but... I'm picking them. Yeah. Picking them. <laughs> I don't think you like the Jets. I'm going to get a slight answer to Denver on that game. Okay, then it get worse after this. You play the AFC North, first game at home against the Ravens. That's a loss. <laughs> a blowout loss or a close loss? Blowout loss. Okay, lose okay then you're on the road to Pittsburgh. Big man, big man is old. He can't play the same how he used to. Yeah, they are, but I, I would think still be the Broncos. See, see, that's the, see, that's the challenge they have to accomplish. They got to play these tough teams in order to make the playoffs. The only way to go make the playoffs is, like you said, quarterback play, yeah. coaching play, 
and hell, like you just gotta win, you gotta win out. Yeah. So my next question is like, do you believe in Drew Lock as a quarterback? You can build your team around. Like honest opinion. No, I do not. I, my my question is about Drew Lock. He's been very inconsistent. Yeah. And again, last year he had 16 touchdowns, threw 15 interceptions, threw for close to 3,000 pass yards, completed 57% of his passes, but he was very inconsistent. And yeah. that's my issue with him. Like he for whatever reason, he gets flustered in the pocket. He turns the football over. And when you're the quarterback, you have to protect the football. That's your number one job. But I do believe they want to have a shot at making the playoffs. I think they should insert Teddy Bridgewater as a quarterback for this team week one. They have a quarterback competition right now in Denver. You know, fans are trying to decide whether or not he's going to start Bridgewater or Drew Locke. If you want to really make the playoffs, you need to start Teddy Bridgewater. Because Fangio, so far, as being head coach of the Denver Broncos, he has a career record of 12 and 20. So he's won 37% of his games. I think in order for him to save his job, he needs to put Teddy Bridgewater in the starting lineup clearance because we've seen Teddy Bridgewater actually win a division title. In 2015, Teddy Bridgewater, he had 14 touchdowns, nine interceptions, threw for over 3,000 passing yards, completing 65% of his passes. That year, the Minnesota Vikings won playing NFC North. So, Teddy Bridgewater, he's not elite. He's not the quarterback you can win a Super Bowl with, but you can win a division title with Teddy Bridgewater. I, I believe in order for Fangio to save his job and for the Broncos to have a shot at making the playoffs as a wild card, because they ain't winning the damn AFC West, but for them to have a chance <laughs> at making the playoffs as a wild card, you want to put Teddy Bridgewater in the starting lineup in the early parts of this season because – Drew Locke is just too inconsistent. I think Drew, I think Drew Locke, like, like, unfortunately, this is like one of his, this is his year to prove it here. And it's just sad though, because he don't, he doesn't have a lot of help at the quarterback position. But for Teddy Bridgewater, though, Trey, I remember that Saints run, he went like five and one, five and two. Yeah. Like he showed that he can be a good bridge quarterback. Not a starting quarterback, a bridge type of quarterback, someone that can help a young young man out and help him. Be better, and but I think that's the best position is to do is start Teddy Bridgewater because he has the experience. He ain't got to play. He got a great defense behind him. He got solid weapons. If he can put stuff into play, I think this Broncos team can actually shock a lot of people because all they're missing is quarterback. That's it. And and for this team to win, the recipe has to be run the football with Melvin Gordon, right, and take time off the clock and play great defense. And again, I think they have the weapons defensively to be a top 10 defense in the NFL. You got Von Miller. You still got Ronald Darby, Kyle Fuller in the secondary. You still got Kareem Jackson at the safety position. So I believe the recipe for this Denver Broncos team and the formula needs to be running the football with Melvin Gordon. Agreed. You know, let shoot some time away on the clock. You're not going to score 30 or 40 points and, uh, to win games. That's not a recipe for your team. Your team needs to run the football and play great defense. And I think if they do that, they'll have a chance to make the playoffs as a wild card team in the AFC. So let me ask you this. Is Vic Fango on a hot seat this upcoming season? I believe so, because so far in his two seasons, being a head coach for the Denver Broncos, he's 12 and 20. So he's won 37% of his games. I believe this is a year for Fangio to show he can coach a team at least to the playoffs. We don't expect him to win the AFC West, but at least make the playoffs as a wild card. I like Jerry Judy. You know, last year he had 52 receptions, 856 receiving yards, three touchdowns. So I believe Fangio needs to do a great job 
of getting his playmakers the ball. Get, you know, Sutton the ball on a perimeter. Get Judy the ball, you know, on a perimeter. Throw the ball to Noah fan. He can make plays in the open field as your tight end. You know, so I think that's what they need to do. And I think if they do that, Fangio's job should be secure as we yeah. head into next year. And he can just get him to the playoffs. Be fighting for a playoff spot as we get later in the season. They yeah. can't be one of those teams that's like two and two and fifteen. Oh God. You know, three, three and fourteen. They have to they at least have to be competing for a playoff spot. Yeah. At least. I think like he's definitely in a hot seat because like you have time to develop a team, you develop a good top tier, top tier defense. So they they know you're you have some type of something to work with, Trey. So if he if he can like get Teddy Bridgewater to a sol- have a solid play, the receivers are breaking out like Jerry Judy and Noah Fant. Never going having a solid year. Defense played well. I will say this, but I don't think to me I don't think care. Like he won like eight games, eight or nine games. Like at that point, they want playoffs. They want playoffs from him. And if he can't lead them into the playoffs, that's a big problem. And Aaron, he already facing backlash because they people felt like he passed. He, it was dumb, dumb for them to pass on Justin Fields, and yeah. I thought it was dumb too, though. But at the same time, the the, the quarterback mess that they have right now, Justin Fields doesn't need to be around it. He doesn't. But I still would have drafted him because Drew Locke is not my best option. Nor like Teddy Bridgewater. I need someone for the future. And Elway, knowing he was a quarterback, he should be able to should have be able to take care of that. Yeah, and that's what leads me to my last point before we move on. Um, I got a lot of respect for John Elway. He's the the president of operations for the Denver Broncos. I love John Elway clearance. John Elway has 300 touchdown career passes for his career. He's completed 57% of his passes. You know, he's a two-time Super Bowl champion, won a Super Bowl MVP, you know, won an NFL MVP award in 87. He beat my Packers, you know, <laughs> in one of those Super Bowls that he won yeah. with, with Terrell Davis and, uh, you know, Shanahan, Shanahan as the head coach. So, yeah, Shanahan starts on that team. Yeah, I got a lot of respect for John Elway. But John Elway has done an awful job at drafting <laughs> a quarterback that can lead this Denver Broncos team. They haven't had a solid quarterback clearance since Peyton Manning. And that's the issue that I have with John Elway. You would think beat John Elway being one of the all-time NFL greatest quarterbacks, he would have the ability to see a quarterback and draft him to the Denver Broncos and build his franchise around him. It hasn't happened. And I think that's why they've missed the playoffs the last five years. I need John Elway to somehow figure out a way to get a franchise quarterback on this Denver Broncos team. If he does that, they can be a team that can compete in the AFC West with the Kansas City Chiefs and Patrick Mahomes for future seasons to come. So I think John Elway needs to do a better job of drafting, man. He hasn't done a good job. Yeah, man, a bona fide quarterback since Peyton Manning, right? I mean, I agree. I agree. I agree, though, because it's like John Elway, he's on the hot seat, too, believe it or not, because you haven't built a successful team, especially on the offensive side. Like, man, he's consistent on that. I can say his defense has been consistent, but he has to. He has playoffs or no playoffs for the Broncos? Oh, no playoffs. Neither. No playoffs for the Broncos. Let's move on. Well, after last segment of the day, Kevin Love's addition to Team USA men's basketball team has raised some eyebrows, but the Cleveland Cavaliers' forward hopes to validate head coach Greg Popovich's decision later this month in Tokyo. So is it wise or wise to say Kevin Love should be a part of Team USA? I think it's kind of wise, though, because, like, they want to – honestly, you're not trying to sound like that or not, but they wanted to make it, like, a predominantly black black uh, team. So – and Kevin Love – it's nothing against him, though, but whatever how, – how, how they want their team and how they should get their team. 
it shouldn't feel like no no question about it. And to me, I think Kevin Love, little USA little run is over, man. I think at that point he's gonna be riding the bench. I think it's last to say Kevin Love should be a part of Team USA in the Olympics because if you Kevin Love, why do you want to go play in the Olympics anyway? At this point in your career, the only thing that should matter are you competing for NBA championships. You got one championship with Kyrie Irving and LeBron James. If you Kevin Love, you want you want to put yourself on a team in a position to win an NBA championship. There are championship contenders all around the NBA. And I believe if Kevin Love is healthy, they can use his services. So I think he should focus more on winning the NBA championship and getting on a championship roster, more so than being a part of Team USA. Okay, the XFL plans to return in 2023 at the talks with the CFL, Canadian Football League, about doing some collaboration. So it's a wise lot to say that XFL would be more structured than it was last year. Uh, I think that's wise. I think they, that, that is wise to say that the XFL will be more structured than, than last year. So I would say wise on that. It's going to be more wise. You got Dwayne Johnson being an owner now, so he's going to clear him up. And you bring Canadian guys in, so you bring in more players in. So I think it's going to be more fun. Jason Tatum is wearing Kobe Bryant's, let's say, number 10 jersey in the Olympics. So is it wise or wise to say Jason Tatum deserves to wear Kobe yeah. Bryant's number 10 jersey? I think it's wise, though, because I feel like he's the closest thing to Kobe. Like, than other than Devin Booker. Mm-hmm. I, that's debatable, though. Yes, but I, I think Jason Tatum is going to deliver for the uh, Team USA. This is moment to get a gold medal in his young career and actually give him some, like, give him some, like, some little clout for, for the NBA season. Although he missed big money because he didn't get no all-NBA, unfortunately. But getting a gold medal for the U- Team USA would be huge. Yeah. I think it's wise to say Jason Tatum deserves to wear – Kobe Bryant's number 10 in Jersey. Ooh. Jason Tatum for his career is averaging 19 points per game, on 46% shooting from the floor, you know, seven rebounds. I love Jason Tatum's ability to score the basketball at a high level clearance. When you talk about players in the NBA that are young, under 25, you know, some of the best scorers in the NBA, Donovan Mitchell, Devin Booker, you know, Trey Young, Zion. Jason Tatum deserves to be at the top of that list. I think Jason Tatum is big time. And he's also clutch. Like, he also learned a lot from Kobe, you know, during you know during the short time uh, when he was in the NBA and Kobe was still alive. He learned a lot from Kobe. Kobe taught him a lot. So, yeah. I think there's no one better to wear Kobe's number 10 jersey, you know, in the Olympics than Jason Tatum. Okay, so Derek, Derek Carr has a recruitment plan for the Packers star receiver Devontae Adam. The Raiders quarterback has been shy about his desire to play with Adam saying he would put on a full-court press to recruit out of the 2022. So, Trey, is it wise a lot to say that Devontae Adams, like, will be a clear fit even if – even through Roger's situation? Do you think it's wise that Derek Carr should go, go after Devontae Adams? Oh, it's wise for Derek Carr to try to recruit Devontae Adams to Green Bay, but yeah. it's not going to happen. Like, Devontae Adams will not leave Green Bay. He will be a Packer for life. He will get maxed out, and they're going to pay him – you know, oh. top receiver money. He probably is going to be the highest paid NFL receiver of all time when it's all said and done. So I think it's wise, of course, for Derek Carr to try to recruit one of the top five receivers in the NFL, but I don't think it's going to happen. I think it's wise, though, because, you know, those two guys played at Fresno State. Devontae Adams actually from the Cali area. So yeah, yeah. I think, I think like, if you're if, – if, if Devontae Adams doesn't sign his max deal – and they let him be a free agency, or let him, he just just want to test him on his own. I think the Raiders should definitely go after Devontae Adams because that would be their clear cut number one receiver, and he will make this that Las Vegas team better than ever. Oh yeah, I agree. Better than ever. It would be great for the Raiders, but it's not going to happen. It's not going to happen unless they offer him like that big money. 
Like, and that's that's one thing I'm gonna say before we get out of here. Like, we've been talking about this Aaron Rodgers feud with the Green Bay Packers all off season long. I think you mean this. We need to be worried about re-signing Devontae Adams. Devontae Adams is the top five receiver. So man, should man, should it? Would you make him the highest paid receiver in the league? Yes, I just said it. I think Devontae Adams, the Packers will reach a contract agreement with Devontae Adams to be the highest paid NFL receiver in NFL history because it's, it's always about who's the latest to come up. It's Devontae Adams' turn. Like, that doesn't mean he's going to stay the, lot, the highest paid NFL receiver in NFL history, but he's going to get paid next, okay? So, yeah, of course, I believe you, if you're the Packers, you have to pay this on $25 million a year. It's Woo! It's a lot of money for a receiver. Oh, yeah, but he's we've worked. Yeah, he's worked. Yeah. Devontae Adams is a top five receiver. But, you know, when people get their money, man, they, they change. Not Devontae. He got oh, that great work ethic, uh, and, and coming from his, where he came from, he's not the kind of player that's going to get the money and all of a sudden, yeah. not play at a high level. He's not going to be as motivated. He's still going to be motivated to keep playing a receiver position at a high level. So I think the Packers should maximize, you know, their ability to give Devontae Adams whatever he wants. It's going to be interesting to see if they're going to pay this man. Everybody, remember, go follow Wise Guys on Twitter at Wise Guys underscore. It's also on Facebook, Wise Guys. So I got the Suns winning game two tomorrow in the NBA Finals in Phoenix. Series will be 2-0. Going to Milwaukee for game three Sunday night. You got the Bucks winning game two. Got the Bucks winning them series tied one one, so we can go home and defend home court. Remember, I said the series is over, and I told y'all that Clarence doesn't believe in the Bucks like he's giving the perception to you guys like he does. Because I've been begging him to bet me in this series. I've been begging. I've been begging him to bet me. Like, okay, bet me, gamble. Like, that's gamble. Let's have some fun. Give me a friendly way. I'm taking his money in the NFL. I'm for sure will be betting him big money, especially when the Lions play the Packers. Y'all have a great, great night. (laughs) Bye, guys. Signing off.